Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there. If you're a new listener, hello, welcome. If you're a regular, welcome back. So this week, we're going to finish off the February theme of flowers. Fabulous flowers at that. And one of the things I really like about the spring is seeing all the crocuses pop up in fairly random patches. Now, just earlier today, I was walking down from uh, the shops to my house and they were just everywhere. They were popping up in people's front gardens. They were lining the field that I walk across. They were in planters and in, in the gardens and in sort of the, the courts that I walk through on my housing estate. And they just appear to be sort of everywhere, but in really peculiar shaped gatherings. And I mean, my next door neighbour's actually got like a little runway of crocuses that trace where the sepin zones are across his lawn. They're really cool. So I thought, what better way to round off this fabulous folklore of February flowers than with this seasonal favourite? So we're going to start off with what's in a name. Where does the name crocus actually come from? While I was doing some research, uh, some people claimed that crocus meant thread, which referred to its quite long thread-like stamens. Other people say that it derives from the word crocos in Greek. And if you trace the etymology back far enough, it's actually quite similar to words that mean saffron, which is far more likely because the crocus gives us saffron spice from its stamens. And I think it takes something ridiculous like about 4,000 flowers to actually get anywhere enough saffron to be able to use it, which is why saffron's so expensive. Now, according to the Poison Garden website, it's actually quite easily confused with a plant called the colchicum, which is also known as the autumn crocus. They do look very similar, and the colchicum has a range of unusual folk names, and it's sometimes called the naked ladies, the naked boy, and the son before the father. And apparently this is because the leaves and seeds of the autumn crocus come up in the spring and then die back in the summer. And then when the flowers finally bloom in autumn, they do so naked. So you can always tell it's a colchicum because it hasn't got any leaves around it. It's literally just the flower. Whereas the crocus comes up with all of its leaves intact. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the colchicum is poisonous. So yes, I have finally managed to return to poisonous flowers. And it contains compounds such as colchicine, which is highly toxic. And there are quite a lot of stories around people dying from ingesting culture cum, thinking that it was wild garlic. So be aware of that. You can tell them apart, as I say, culture cums have six stamens and the crocus only has three. And you can also tell because if it comes up in the spring with leaves, it's crocus. If it comes up without leaves and it's in the autumn, it's a culture cum. But if in doubt, just don't ingest them is probably the way I would look at it. Now, as with all the other flowers that we've looked at this month, the crocus comes with a range of origin myths. But unlike things like the rose or even the violet, these ones mostly come from ancient Greece. Now, the first story, there's actually three versions of it. So we're going to have a look at all three. So the basic version of it is there's a human youth called Crocus and he has an affair with a nymph called Smilax. Now, for whatever reason, he becomes unhappy with the relationship and the gods turn him into a plant. 
And this idea of gods turning people into plants does seem pretty common, so check out the episode on roses for more examples. In this version of the story, for some reason I haven't been able to work out why they turned Smilax into the yew tree. In the second version of the story, Crocus actually killed himself when the gods refused their permission for him to marry Smilax. Apparently she wasn't overly pleased with the turn of events either. Flora, the goddess of flowers, took pity on them and then turned them into plants. And Selina Fire Elune Blue actually recites a third version, and in that one, Smilax gets bored of Crocus, but he won't take the hint, so she turns him into a flower to get some peace from his advances. So in this particular version, the Crocus comes to represent unrequited love. I also think it should represent just, you know, take no for an answer or I'll turn you into a plant, but we can't have it all. There is an alternative version of the origin myth which Galen, the great Greek physician, actually puts forward. And in this one, Crocus is the companion of the god Hermes. Hermes is the equivalent of Mercury in Roman mythology. In this one, a game of discus goes wrong and Hermes accidentally kills Crocus. Completely distraught by what's happened, Hermes then turns him into a flower. So that's surely one way to hide the evidence. In the other version of where the Crocus comes from, Zeus and Hera are enjoying each other's company, shall we say, and they're so passionate that the riverbank that they're lying on actually erupts with crocus flowers, and they've been associated with love ever since. The fact that they actually bloom near Valentine's Day probably helps, and in one of the sources I looked at, the crocus was actually dedicated to St Valentine as well. Obviously, this is one of my flower posts, so as always, we're going to look at the language of flowers. Unlike a lot of the other flowers, the crocus is pretty straightforward. It basically means gladness and cheerfulness. There are the three different varieties because the crocus comes in white, which means truth, innocence and purity. comes in purple, which implies success, pride and dignity. And yellow, which means joy. So all of those are really quite nice associations. So if you're not sure what plants to send someone, the crocus is a fairly safe bet. Some people actually think that the crocus was so potent that it could inspire love in the recipient. And in the Far East, it was actually considered a good omen if it bloomed on your loved one's grave. Obviously, it wasn't a good omen for them, but that was what the saying was. Now, if we're going to have a look at the folklore... In England, apparently people actually ate crocus seeds to ease the pains of rheumatism. I probably wouldn't advise that now, but there you go. Pliny apparently advised people to wear saffron around the neck to prevent drunkenness, which sounds a little bit like the wearing wreaths of violet flowers that we looked at in the previous episode. And in Switzerland, mothers actually put saffron around their children's necks to keep them from harm. So quite a lot of positive associations with saffron there. And this is where I think if you do want to bring the power of the crocus into your life, doing it through saffron is probably the easiest way. Now an old superstition relates to the wildflowers that you might gather in the spring. And the flowers that you pick would give you the initials of your future husband sort of in the order that you picked them. So if you picked, for example, crocus, anemone and eyebright, your lover would then have CAE for his initials. I'm assuming that you're supposed to do this at random, otherwise you think, well, surely that could be relatively premeditated. But at the same time, there's another superstition, because these things do like to contradict each other, that says you should be careful about actually picking crocus flowers. And in Austria, picking them was considered bad luck, where an article in Fraser's magazine from 1870 actually went even further and said that only healthy young girls or strong men could pick the flowers because it would actually draw away any strength. Which is peculiar because in homeopathy, the crocus was used to help combat female weakness. Now, we're going to have a final look at the magical crocus. Because the crocus is traditionally used by witches in the spring festivals in Bulk and Ostara, 
Obviously, in bulk being the equivalent of Candlemas, and Ostara is Easter, as you've probably tweaked yourself. It's also associated with goddesses like Aphrodite and Venus, which is probably due to its status as a love plant. I did find some links with Persephone in a couple of the sources, although I think that might be due to its return every spring. So these kind of returning flowers would obviously link with Persephone through her return back to Earth, bringing spring with her. If you're into astrology at all, the flower is also associated with the sign of Aquarius, along with amaranth, mimosa and snowdrops. But if you wanted to use it in a magical sense, its scent is probably the best way to do it. Or if your budget will stretch to it, use a little saffron. Wikipedia actually note that saffron works really well in spells for wealth, strength or recognition. And saffron itself is associated with the element of fire and the star sign of Leo. So whether you go for the white, yellow or purple variety, I think the crocus is an absolutely wonderful way to bring a little colour into your garden. And because it's got all of the associations that it is with love, cheerfulness and wealth, maybe it'll help bring those things your way. Who knows? That's it for this week. This also brings our February Flower Folklore Month to a finish. We're going to go back to things slightly more witchy and dark next month for March, purely because it's fun, and I will see you next week. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!